Well, Happy New Year. Welcome to Grace and Peace Church. Thank you for journeying with us, those of you that have been with us. And if you're new, just checking us out. Uh, we hope that uh, our time together online uh, is fruitful and that you're able to discover some new beautiful truths about who Jesus is and what he's calling us to. Uh, if you need information about who we are and what we're doing, go to graceandpeacechurch.org. And uh, this week we start out a new series where we're going to be looking at the book of James. More, more like a letter. So we're going to look at the letter of James. So um, yeah, journey with us. We're going to dig right into it. So six days into 2021 and we've already had chaos. Um, the things that took place this week at Capitol Hill, the civil unrest, uh, broke my heart. And not just that, but the fact that that's a reflection of a portion, I would say, of our society, of the United States. And my heart breaks to think that there might be more that um, would reflect that same sentiment. Um, the injustices, the, the racism, um, the very blatant disregard for property, for respect for others. Um, we don't condone that as a church, the violence. Um, people's lives were lost in that process and it's not okay. And so we want to pray uh, right off the bat here before we even get into our study for our nation because our heart breaks for what's happening. We recognize that that's not reflecting all of our society, um, but we do recognize that there still is a lot of pain and a lot of people causing a lot of harm um, in our world. And so we wanna stop, take some time to pray and, and also begin to acknowledge the, the wrongs that are taking place and the racism that exists in our country, um, the, the lack of leadership in many ways, um, not just this isn't a Republican or Democrat thing, this is, um, I think, kind of a systemic thing in our country right now. Um, we need solid leadership uh, not just in our government, but when it comes to our churches, to our families. Um, we need to be centered around truth, around justice, and, um, and bringing reconciliation. And so I want to take a moment to pray. And so if you can join me, we're going um, to recognize ways that God um, and His Spirit might step in. So Father, we surrender our lives with humility to you. Uh, we pray for humility for our country. We pray for healing that needs to take place in so many areas when it comes to uh, racial reconciliation, when it comes to families, when it comes to uh, our government. Um, we need healing when it comes to leadership and how they handle these things. We need wisdom, we need insight. I pray for uh, just a, a strong sense of humility uh, that is needed. Um, and it not just projecting this on others, but we need it as well in our lives and how we handle and respond to these things that take place in our country. 
Lord, I pray for leadership to be strong. Lord, I pray for wisdom and insights there. I pray for discernment. And I pray for strong leadership from our government, uh, local, uh, the state level, um, and uh, even in our cities, as well as all the way down to our families and how we lead um, our, our businesses, our relationships, how we lead our own lives. Lord, give us just a, a solid dose of your Holy Spirit to be reminded of what is most important. We pray for transformed hearts in our world and we also want to bring healing. And so help us to be agents of reconciliation, of healing, of um, bringing new life to this world that we live in that is seemingly so broken. So I pray for unity that would take place um, on the right and the left, whatever that looks like and everything in between. Lord, I pray that we would uh, first and foremost, begin to see people as human beings and created in your image and help us to begin to surrender to that and love people as you call us to love others. And so we just, we pray for your Holy Spirit to fall and uh, use those who call on your name to uh, be a reflection of your love in this world. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Continue to pray with us uh, for our country. Uh, pray for healing. Continue to pray that uh, change would take place. And so, with that said, welcome to Grace and Peace. We hope that this space and this time is refreshing to your spirit, that as we study, uh, this would be centering, that this would bring life to you and your family, and, uh, and how you live out uh, the gospel this week. So let's kick right into it. I want to give some background, the epistle of James, uh, before we dig in, just so that you have some context of what we're talking about and where we're going. So James is the brother of Jesus, and so he would have had a lot of interaction with Jesus and uh, would have heard his teachings continually and seen the miracles that he performed, the healings that he performed, and the way that he interacted with people. And so... Uh, what better than someone this close to Jesus to learn and listen to? And so this uh, epistle, this letter that is written, uh, is written to believers, um, as we spoke about last week, that are scattered as a result of the persecution. And, um, and so he's writing to believers to encourage them in their faith. And one of the things that uh, James does is he really focuses on the core of what it means to be a believer and the core being our actions, not necessarily what's underneath. And so he's, he's almost like in step two, three or four in what it means to be a Christian. And so he's, he's not writing to somebody who may not yet be a believer or doesn't understand what the gospel is. He, cause the word gospel never comes up. The word redemption doesn't come up. Incarnation, resurrection, none of those are actually used in this letter. But what he does focus on is the fruit. What does it look like to live this out? The outward action, the core of what we're called to do as a believer, not so much the undergirding um, roots of who we are. Um, he's, he's just acknowledging you're, you're following Jesus. Here's what to do. So um, 
a lot of what James references is these two, two things, Sermon on the Mount and Proverbs chapters one through nine. So if you wanna go back and read those, you wanna do some extra studying, doesn't take long to read those two, Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, which we went through all last year, if you wanna go back and listen to some of those sermons. Um, we just dug into the Sermon on the Mount, and then we got Proverbs 1 through 9 that he really references in, in, in powerful ways. So, um, and he just goes through and just has these beautiful one-liners and truths that he really unpacks and, um, and really focuses in on what it means to center life around actively living out our faith. So, my prayer is that we don't just read these verses as we always have, as we get into just this very first uh, chapter, uh, this very first paragraph of James, because um, we can read with familiarity and it becomes almost too familiar to where we hear it and go, yeah, I've heard that, cool, and we move on and it doesn't really impact us. So I pray that we would read these words, each and every word. Last week we spent so much time just on the truth of the very first verse of James saying, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of God. Um, so that's my prayer. Really sit with it and begin to see um, how a familiar passage might really sink in and transform life. So I want to use the backdrop of marathons to really, I think, capture what James is talking about as we read this, okay? So there's a guy, Ricardo Abad. He ran 500 marathons in 500 days. 500 marathons. A marathon, if you don't know, is 26 miles. That's 26 more miles than I've ran in the last few years. So that's on me. I <laughs> should be running more. But 26 miles seems like a really long ways to go. 26 miles, uh, if you've never ran a marathon, is on average five hours-ish, give or take, depending on how in shape you are. Um, Someone who runs a marathon like Ricardo would be around two hours. The record actually was in 2019 was an hour and 59 minutes. Correct me in the comments if that's wrong. There might be somebody who ran it faster by now, but our two hours is crazy fast. So this guy ran 500. So every day he ran for at least two hours for 500 days. That is a lot of work. I heard a conversation with Laird Hamilton, one of my heroes. The guy is just ripped. He's just a, he's, he's older in age, but still is super fit. And he's world renowned for big wave surfing and, um, and just, yeah, just recognizing how his body can be um, refined to the point of where he can just kind of keep going and going and going. And the guy just keeps hammering. But uh, Laird Hamilton talks about his friend who uh, became a marathon runner and what that process was like and how day one when his friend started running, he hated it. He did not want to do it. And he said his body was just not having it. He made it to day two by sheer will and said, I'm gonna keep going, I will not give up. Day two, he said, was hideous. It was horrible, he did not want to do it. He wanted to give up and the whole thing. He's like, I don't need to be running marathons. I'm not gonna train and somehow, understood big picture said i gotta keep going made it to day three day three was hideous horrible super hard work didn't want to do it wanted to give up made it to day four and he says body started to surrender to it and he said by day 10 he was like this is what we do 
His body just surrendered and just said, this is what we do. We run and kept going and hasn't turned back. And now the guy's running ultra marathons. If you want to look that up, it's intense. So I want to use that as a, as a backdrop to understanding where James is going and what he's doing with our faith. Because I believe that day one, it can be difficult. Day two, it can be difficult. Day three, but as we progress on, we can get to the point where our faith becomes strong to where we can withstand challenges. And that's what we're going to get into right here as we read James chapter one, verses two through eight. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Those who doubt should not think they will receive anything from the Lord. They are double-minded and unstable in all they do. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. This is a verse that maybe you've heard before. or Maybe someone's thrown at you when you're in the middle of a difficult season. And I want to say right off the bat, I apologize that if somebody's used this in the wrong context or has thrown it at you when you don't understand what it means to be a follower, to be in the race, in the marathon, trying to follow Jesus. And so consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And maybe you've heard that again in a way that just wasn't the right timing. Um, this is one of those things that we have to own on our own as we enter into trials. I believe that somebody else throwing this line at you while you're in the middle of it probably doesn't work. We need to have a perspective that understands what a trial is and what we're going through before we enter in. Some challenges we face are self-induced that where I've made a mistake, uh, I know just when it comes to finances, I know over the years there's been uh, times where I've faced trials and been uh, challenged because of choices, selfish choices that I've made when it comes to my finances. Um, there's trials that come as a result of words that we say to people that are not kind, that are not loving, that are not grace-filled, right? Those trials are self-induced. There's also trials that we face as a result of a broken culture, a broken world, a sinful world that we live in. Um, there are trials we face as a result of somebody else's wrongdoing, someone else's sin, someone else's um, failure. And, uh, and we have to recognize that there are different areas, but we are not here to really, um, in some cases, but most cases, we're not here to figure out the fault, who's, who's doing it, but what we are here to do is to figure out what is helpful. How do we begin to move forward in a trial, in a challenge, in a healthy way? So wisdom and joy have a connection, because he talks about wisdom here, seeking wisdom. Um, 
and seeking wisdom from God, not just general wisdom, but wisdom that comes from God. Um, it comes from um, the, the wisdom is going to inform our joy, right? So as we begin to understand the connection between the big picture, right? And that's what a lot of times for many people age does as you begin to experience trials, um, the testing, the challenges, and then persevering through them, you begin to see that there is an end, that it's not the end of the world when something happens, right? Like my children in the middle of a trial or a challenge or a difficulty, a lot of times will just break down thinking like, this is the end, I, don't, I can't see another way. But what wisdom says is we have a 30,000 foot view. We begin to see things from a bigger perspective and that's what God wants to do in us begin to teach us how to have that bigger perspective. And that's wisdom speaking into the joy. So then the joy comes from going through a trial, knowing that God is gonna teach you something, that you're gonna get stronger as a result of it. And, um, and this goes back to the marathon runner as, um, as an illustration for that, that not every marathon runner, I, I venture to guess that every marathon runner struggled in the beginning. That it becomes very difficult day one, day two, day three, day four. And then by the time you get to day 10 and further on, it becomes easier and you become driven by the understanding that that hard work, that that perseverance is going to bring great results, right? Joy is formed also by the hope that we have as we look back into Advent season where we're looking at hope, these themes that Jesus brings and invites into our lives. There's hope, there's peace, and then the third theme is joy, right? And so joy is a result of hope, of knowing that Christ is coming to speak into our situation, to bring healing, to bring reconciliation, to begin to bring renewal of mind, that we become this new creation, all those things Jesus invites, in, invites into our lives and begins to empower us to live into this new life. And then we begin to see that Jesus is doing beautiful things and there's joy in the challenge that he's going to make us stronger. He's going to make us a renewed human being. One of the themes that we see here is, um, is this testing in this, in this passage, uh, this testing of our faith. And um, this testing is, is, isn't meant to be like, hey, I'm going to, like God messing with us to try and somehow, uh, I think, mess with us in some way. But it's, it's meant to be um, this testing that begins to refine, that begins to make us better versions of ourselves. And so testing... Um, isn't, this isn't meant to be projected on people that are outside the church. Again, he's writing this letter to believers. So projecting that if someone's going through a difficult situation and saying, God's testing you, he's trying to do something in you, um, I don't think is fair. We do need to turn and look at our own lives and begin to look at uh, us as believers. Again, so this, I'm speaking to those who um, have surrendered life to Christ that he's teaching us something about life to begin to understand how our faith becomes real, tangible, life transforming, right? Because if it's not transforming, we don't need to sit here and read. You don't need to watch this. Um, we could just move on, right? 
But we do believe that what Jesus is doing is transforming life. He's renewing us. He's making us this new creation that helps us experience life to the full and then helps us to begin to be agents for change in the world we live in to help others experience life to the full. And here's, here's how I see it is like this testing begins to shape our faith and understanding of what God is capable of doing in and through us. Again, it's that he's doing something in us to, to begin to shape us in fresh new ways and then begin to use us to help um, in that process of bringing healing, reconciliation, new world, uh, new creation, peace to others in the world that we live in. So he goes on in verse four and says, be mature and complete. Mature and complete. In this letter, we see this word uh, teleos within the Greek, which again is that complete, mature. It's an idea of integrated faith, a whole faith that we are broken before Christ. And what Christ does is he comes in and begins to repair the broken pieces of our lives. He begins to make us whole. He begins to transform the way that we use our mind, the way that we use our voice, um, the way that we interact, the way that we carry ourselves physically. All those things he begins to transform. And what he does is he's making us mature and complete. If you're taking notes, writing down mature and complete is huge. Mature and complete, because that's the core of what he's talking about when he talks about testing. The testing isn't just to mess with you again, it's to bring maturity, it's to bring this wholeness into who we are and how we live. And that begins to make us congruent believers. And if you are skeptical about the church and believers and you think that they're hypocrites, I'm with you. But what James is doing is he's saying, if we are truly stepping into faith and journeying with Jesus, there will be a process of becoming mature and complete. There will be this transformation that will take place. And so when we look at the news and we see so-called Christians acting out of violence acting out of selfishness, um, out of destruction, that does not line up with mature and complete. The mature and complete is us living it out, the tangible, active faith that we live out. Um, and so I just want to say that again. Let it, let it just sink in. Mature and complete. Mature and complete. A couple questions I want to ask in light of this idea of maturity and completion is that what would our country look like if Christ followers took this seriously? Maturity and completion. What would our social media posts look like? What would our online interactions begin to look like? What would our families look like? if we took maturity and being complete seriously, that as we began to engage in challenges that we would recognize that God is transforming us and transforming our families, transforming how we post on Facebook, Instagram, wherever. 
what would our churches begin to look like? What would our church look like? What would our church gatherings begin to look like if we begin to really take this seriously that Christ wants to bring maturity and completion in our lives as we engage in trials? Again, I believe that maturity, that process of bringing the new creation into who we are is a result of saying, I want to be a servant. And I'm just gonna hyperlink back to the very first verse that James says, he starts out with, I'm James, a servant. I believe that if we have that approach to our faith, that we view ourselves as servants of God, it will transform who we are and what we do. Check out the message paraphrase. He says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And so what I want us to see here, I, I like the way the message, it's by Eugene Peterson, it's a paraphrase of scripture. And I love that he says, don't try and get out of it prematurely. That as you're in these trials, as you're in these challenges, there's a work that's taking place, going back to this maturity that's happening. He talks about being well-developed, not deficient in any way. And he says, don't skate out on this, essentially. Don't skate out early on the process of transformation that God is doing in your life. And I know that personally, like I try to weasel out of the, the difficult situations or the the things that grieve me or the things that even this week as I was talking with friends um, and even uh, Matt from uh, our church, um, that a lot of times as we grieve, it can be easy for us just to say, I just wanna, I just wanna leave it all. I just wanna ignore it. I don't wanna be a part of it because it weighs heavy. Because the trials and the things that grieve us and the things that we face that are difficult, they're not easy. And it's, it's as if we're in the marathon training process where we're in day one or day two. Some of us are maybe in day three, but we still say it's difficult, it's challenging. I don't wanna continue on. I wanna give up. But what I wanna encourage you is that if we stay in the midst of it, there is this well-developed maturity that's gonna take place in your faith. And I've began to see it enough to where I continue on. It's still difficult, but I'm still, maybe I'm at day four or five, I don't know. But I'm still continuing on because I know that I've seen believers who are at day 100 of training for this marathon and living into our faith, and I've seen how they thrive. I've seen how they approach trials, challenges, and have a sense of God's Holy Spirit journeying with them, teaching them and refining their heart to be a little bit softer, a little more like Christ's heart. That's what we wanna be. So don't skate out. I would say pursue it, continue to live into it and begin to watch and see how God transforms your heart. This week has been heavy. The trials, the things that we face, I believe God will use us in powerful ways. So how will we respond to these trials? My encouragement would be to take some time to turn off social media, 
take time to turn off the news and go and call or text somebody that needs to hear from you. Go and reach out to the people in your life and begin to demonstrate that love and ask them how they are doing. Begin to check in on the people around you and begin to see how we are grounded in a reality that is so much bigger than what we see on the news. That as we begin to engage with people, we will see that God is at work. I think what Satan wants to do is convince us that we are alone and that the whole world is against each other and all there is is hatred, division, and unity will never exist. I believe that the more we watch news and get on social media, the more we get wrapped up in that us versus them mentality. And what I want to say is just begin to maybe take a walk. Walk your neighborhood and begin to see that there are people who, like you and I, who are struggling, going through different kinds of challenges and trials, um, but need to hear your voice. That God longs to work through you to be a reflection of his love. We endure these challenges because we believe that God is at work and we believe that God wants to help others. So by us surrendering to these things and beginning to see how God might work through us, we'll begin to see this end goal of God wanting to bring transformation, new life, new creation to the world we live in. So athletes, they train to be disciplined. They continually work hard day after day to continue to get to that place of success, of running faster, accomplishing a marathon almost effortlessly, right? We, in our faith, continue to live into the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, the self-control, right? Like the, all these things begin to uh, become things that flow out of our lives that are good for not only us, but then for others and transforms the world we live in. So what I want to close with is the marathon runner doesn't become a marathon runner that runs 500 marathons in 500 days overnight. There is a process of engaging the trials, engaging the difficulties that brings perseverance. That's what James is talking about. And that's what I, I desire for us. And that's my prayer for us as we move forward. Um, this week, as we saw Capitol Hill overrun with quote unquote, finger quotes, Christians, people who were carrying crosses and spewing out hate speech, causing violence, causing the death of a handful of people, um, stealing, causing destruction, all of that in some cases, I know that there's, there was a variety of people in that crowd, but in some cases in the name of Jesus. And that does not line up. There's no congruency, there's no maturity, there is nothing about that that reflects Jesus. The heart of Jesus and the symbol that we carry as Christians is meant to be love. And that was best reflected, not in the cross, which you think is common, 
Um, I think that was something that was created a few centuries later as a, as a, a symbol of Christianity. Um, but I think the original symbol that I think we need to center around and what I want to close with is the symbol of communion. The symbol of the bread and the cup. That when Jesus said, take this bread, it's reflective of my body broken and, and the blood poured out. So the cup represented his blood poured out. We take the bread and the cup as a reminder of his love for us and how we are unified because he broke the one loaf that was symbolic of all believers together, the body of Christ, unified, broken for the world, for the sake of the world. That's what Jesus called, did for us and also calls us to do and participate in. So I suggest that the symbol of Christianity, the symbol of who we are, the bread and the cup. And so we're going to take communion. We would encourage you that if you're watching at home, grab some crackers, grab some juice. It doesn't have to be anything specific. What matters is your heart and what you're continually centering around, that it's Jesus and his life broken for us, poured out for us, and that we invite, he invites us as the body of Christ to then live that out in the world that we live in. And so grace and peace to you as you begin to take communion, spend some time in prayer for our nation, spend some time in prayer for yourself as you begin to see the trials and how you face them and begin to recognize the Holy Spirit working in and through you to transform your life and the world around you. So grace and peace to you. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen.